If our faith or our praise or our worship or our uh, identity in Christ is set on anything besides the Word of God, it's going to fail. So our worship, if we worship, if our base of our worship is on anything besides the Word of God, what it says and what it promotes in us, it's going to fail. So our worship, regardless of what we're going through, should be based on His Word. Amen, is that right? And His Word says, give Him praise in the good times and in the bad. Whatever we're going through, bless the Lord, for He is worthy. He is always good, no matter what goes on. I've got to share something, because the Holy Spirit just grabbed my soul. Scott shared with me this week, he saw it on Facebook. I don't know if many of you saw it, but there were people in Ukraine in the subway hiding while the bombs were going on. They were praising God, and they were praying, and they were believing. And that is what they were doing. They were praising in the presence of their enemies. They were praising higher than the unbelief. And they believed that God would rescue them. If people in a war-torn country right there can do that, why can't we do that much more in a free country? In a place where we're not having bombs (laughs) destroy where we live. Why can't we praise God in the presence of our enemies? You know, and louder than the unbelief of everything that's going on around us. I just had to share that because that was such a blessing to my soul that they could do that. And I pray, God, let me do that this morning. Let me sing in the presence of my enemies. Amen. Let's give him praise. Give him glory. And I've got to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder. You're going to hear my
Man, isn't God good today, folks? Aren't you glad to be saved by the blood of Almighty God? I was looking at the uh, news this morning and how that we got a crazy guy in Russia that's talking about nuclear warfare and nuke bombs and letting people remember that he has access to those. A while back, I was doing some studies in the Bible on the end time, personal studies. And as I was looking at that, reviewing it, I thought to myself, in the middle of reading it, I said, there is no way that I can see this thing happening like that in the near future. And I was trying to figure out how all of those things could come to pass But every time I get to thinking like that, God shows me that overnight everything can change. Overnight. We could be in a World War III. It could happen this week, folks. This week. Because if something like that were to happen, uh, NATO, all the other forces, including the United States, would come in and it would be a mess. I'm saying that to say this, Jesus is coming. And if we're not ready, we better get ready. Because I'm telling you, the hour is drawing fast. And every time on our, and this is why God said, no man knows the day, no man knows the hour that the Lord's coming back. All of a sudden, it's going to happen. And I'm understanding more now than ever before because there's a lot of things that are taking place and they're happening so fast, it's making my head spin. But God, He, he was already ready for it. He knew exactly what was going to happen today. So, so I want to go to a scripture. Or let's go straight to my title today, Chevy. I, I just want to, to deal with this topic. All right, are you ready for this? One thing that I've always tried to do as a pastor, as a preacher in general, I have always tried to, to my goal when I leave this world is not for people to say, man, that guy was a good preacher, you know. God, he could preach, man. I mean, we talking about we felt fire when that guy... That's not really what I want to leave behind. What I want to leave behind is that guy, every time he got up there, he challenged me to be a better Christian. That's my desire. My, my desire is not just to be the guy that comes through and makes everybody feel good. And you leave saying, oh man, I'm so happy, man, Pastor. I, I want to be the preacher that when we leave, we leave challenged to be better than we were before we came. Because I can be the preacher 
that pats people on the head, makes everybody feel good about themselves, and they go on with their everyday life and their routine, and they're not changed, and they, they're not challenged, and they just, you know, just, just do enough just to get by. Or I can be the guy that gets up there that maybe a lot of people won't like, and it will make them not want to go to my church. But at the end of the day, I want to be that guy that when you get home this week, and when you're watching the news, you're thinking to yourself, man i got to draw closer to Him. And so today I want to deal with this topic. You are as close to God as you want to be. Now what are two of the same, if you look at the words through this title, of course we've got two there, but there's another one that's you. You see that two times. One on the top line, one on the bottom line, second word. You are as close to God as you want to be. That is intentional. And I'm going to tell you why it's intentional. Because... So often we play the blame game, right? If, if, it, if, it, if the pastor did a better job, then I would be closer to God, right? If, 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 they, if they could sing a better song, I would be closer to God. If they would do my style, I could be closer to God. If, if that church had more things for me to do and occupy my time, then I could be closer to God. But I want somebody to understand something. Long before we had programs and long before we had all this other stuff we've got going on in what we call church today, we taught people that if you're going to serve Jesus, it is a personal relationship that you're going to have to develop. You cannot depend on the church to get you through. You cannot depend on a pastor to get you through. If you're going to make it through, honey, it's going to be because you wanted to. And we used to teach that, and we used to preach that, and make people feel a personal sense of responsibility for their own spiritual well-being. And so today I want to challenge us to understand that this has nothing to do with the church you go to. It has nothing to do with who your pastor is. At the end of the game, it comes down to you. You are as close to God as you want to be. You know, one thing that I notice in the church is that a lot of people will go with God, uh, so far with God, and then they kind of stop it. They have a relationship with Him, but, but not what we'll call a serious relationship. It's, it's kind of like dating. You know, you get involved with this girl or this guy, and you're like, man, I really like you. And you're like, I enjoy going out to eat with you. Man, that movie was good. Well, we have fun together, don't we? Man, it's so nice. I love your company. But then one day, the question is brought up by the girl to the guy. And she says, hey, I appreciate all you're doing. I like all the gifts and all this. But when are we getting... When are we getting married? And when you say that... It takes a casual, friendly relationship to another level. And that is exactly what I believe that God did. I want to show you Matthew 16, 24. And I want to show you that's exactly what Jesus did with His disciples and people that were following Him. And He lost a lot of attendees. Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him what? Deny himself. Let him take up his cross. And let him follow me. Now this takes it to the next level because there's a group of people that kind of, you know, they get saved but they never 
commit to growing. They never commit to changing. They may even start the church on a regular basis, if I can say it that way. They may hear the Word, but the Word has not yet changed them. The Word has not yet brought them to a place of closeness with God. So in other words, they may get right with God. They may say, oh man, I go to church. They may say, yes, I'm a Christian. But but then if we're not careful, we reach this place in our relationship with God that we get to a place of content. And a place of contentment is where we never move any closer to Him. In other words, we survive the crisis in our lives, but then we go back to life as normal. It is much like Israel, and for those that have been on Wednesday nights, you know what I'm talking about when I call it the Israel mentality. It is the mentality that when we get in trouble, we call on God. When we go through trouble, we call on God. We wait on God to show up and to show out. We wait on God to part a Red Sea so we can walk across on dry land. We wait for God to send manna from heaven so we can eat. We wait for the quail to come about this high off the ground so we can kill them and catch them and eat them. We This is what we wait on but as soon as God does it and victory comes we go back to worship and false gods and we're we're building golden calves yet again it is the Israel mentality it is, it is that bless me and I will follow you give to me oh and I'll give to you if you'll do something for me then I'm going to do something for you but that is not the way that our relationship with God should work the relationship with God should be this simple. I worship you because of who you are. I worship you not because of what you bless me with. I worship you not because of the good things that come into my life. But I worship you even through the bad times. I worship you whenever I'm going through hell on earth and I lift my hands and I don't feel like it. I'm still going to worship you. I do not want to get in this frame of mind that I get content and satisfied where I am and leave it at that. So today I want us to understand that the God that we serve is granting us what we will call full access to Him. Everybody understand? So what that means is that you are as close to God as you want to be. If, 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 I, get, if, if, if I put water at the back door today and I say, all right, folks, it's accessible. If you want one, grab one. How many people are going to leave with water? The people that want water. It's accessible. I'm not going to charge you for it. Nothing. You just pick up a bottle of water and head out the door. God bless you today. Everybody that wants the water, they can get the water. But everybody has access to the water. And I want us to understand today that we have access to the throne of God. Now, 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 now to some of you may say, oh, whatever, I've heard that scripture in Hebrews 4.16. I've read it many a times. I've heard preachers preach about it, and that's fine. But I want you to understand how big of a deal it is that you have access to the throne. Understand with me. I want somebody to leave this service today. I want you to ride up to Washington. Maybe Joe's in Delaware. I don't know where he is. But I want you to find Joe, and I want you to have a meeting with him. I mean, I want you, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. I'm sure some of you got some good advice, right? Don't we all? And so we could go, if we could just go, we're going to go sit in the Oval Office. Matter of fact, take somebody with you and you just get in there and you just let Joe know exactly what you think about the situation. 
I promise you, as sure as I'm standing here, and I could gamble my house away if I was a gambler, you will not gain access to him today. It's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen over the next three years. Because he is not accessible to you. Now, if he's accessible to you, we got some people with cloud in here that I don't know about. And I want to get to know you better. After service, back door. Listen, what I'm telling you is he is not accessible to me. He is not accessible to you. It is much like Esther. Whenever Esther's getting ready to go to the king, Ahasuerus, and she goes before him. But you know what the Bible said? She had to prepare for one year. She bathed in oils and prepared herself to go into the presence of, of the king, Ahasuerus. She prepared herself for one year, for one moment with the king. That is mind-blowing to me. But what I understand is when I look up Jewish custom, I begin to understand you didn't just burst up in the king's chambers. You didn't just walk up to the throne because you wanted to walk up to the throne. A matter of fact, by their custom and by their law, if you were to burst in the back door and try to come into the king's court, he could have you arrested. Oftentimes he would. And sometimes you would even be killed. That's why when you read that story... The, the scepter, the scepter he holds in his hand, the golden scepter is so important. Because the golden scepter has to be stretched out. And if the golden scepter's not stretched out, the guards know what to do with Brian over here that's trying to get to the king. For all we know, it's an assassination attempt. But the moment that he says, here goes that, that golden scepter, touch it. And they walk up and they touch the scepter, it means you have access to the king. His own wife, Esther... Waited for one year. She did not just burst into the king's room when he was doing his business of the kingdom. Even though she was his wife. She did not know if he would accept her or not. But thank God when she walked in the golden scepter is extended. See what I want you to understand. I said that to say this. That these kings and these presidents. They are not accessible to you. So it is a big deal. If you believe that Jesus Christ is who He says He is, and if you do believe that He was born by a virgin, that He lived in he, a perfect life, and He died on Calvary, and He rose from the dead, and He is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you, and if you truly believe, Hebrews 4, 16, let us therefore now come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain the mercy and the help that we need in our time of need, then I'm telling you, you ought to be excited today because you have access not to a president you have not access to a king but you've got access to the king of kings and the lord of lords that is a big deal so it's so easy for it to happen to us we just start coasting in our walk with god we become distant in our relationship with him we we become detached in our worship sometime when we just get comfortable and content. What does the word detached mean? The word detached means losing interest in it. It is a shame that we have access to this king, but yet in our worship we are so detached. We lose worship. We lose interest in worship. We lose interest in the church. We build what we'll call a distant relationship. No Commitment. We, we want others to talk to God for us. And, and, and I mean, isn't that the pastor's job anyhow, right? And by the way, it is. 
for the pastors to pray. It's also a command to us as Christians to pray for one another. I'm not discounting that. God wants us to do that. But at the end, and there's special needs that we really give special attention to because these people are in life or death situations. That's a little different than just going through your everyday, oh gosh, my gum's hurting. Right? And so there's more pressing matters. But there comes a time that we have to understand... Then again, this relationship, this personal walk with God, that we have to learn to pray for ourselves. But when we get in this mode of contentment and satisfaction, and we're kind of in this distant relationship, we're kind of like Peter, that we just follow Jesus. We follow Him, but we just follow Him afar off from a distance. It is in this moment that church becomes more of a duty to us then it is a blessing. It is in this moment that church becomes what we will call a requirement, right? You gotta go to church. If you don't go to church, then you're not pleasing to the Lord. I go to church because mama raised me that way. I go to church because grandma used to tell me when I was sick, get your butt up, we go into church anyhow. And I was raised in that age, in that era, and we're certain I've got to go to church. It is a requirement. If that is the reason you go to church, your relationship with God is out of tune. Don't everybody shout at once, you will ruin the message from this point on. I'm telling you, if I come to church on a weekly basis, be, no, 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 please don't misunderstand me. There are Sundays that even I don't feel like coming. All right, I'm not going to act like I'm some kind of super spiritual Moses man of God up here, prophet with a long white beard. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. There's times that I don't feel good either. And there's times that I think to myself, I just don't feel like doing it today. I don't want to preach. I don't even feel like preaching. I mean, I, I need somebody to preach to me, bless God. I go through those times too. But at the end of the day, we're going to have ups and downs. And I understand there may be a week here and a week there that we're like a little discouraged. That's part of life. I'm talking about when we get in this frame of mind that the only reason we go is because we have to go. Instead of getting into the frame of mind, my gosh, I am getting to enter into the throne room of God. And i got to do it for free. I don't have to do anything but walk into His presence as He's there and He's waiting to bless me and to help me and to answer my prayer. I mean, I mean, can you see the difference here? It is in this church where I find purpose for my life. It is in this church that assignments are given out. What is assignment? That means I want God to give me something to do next week. I want God to pour into me in such a way today that when I get out in the world next week, I want to share it with somebody. I want to tell somebody, look what the Lord has done. I want to tell somebody, I went to church Sunday, man, and I was so disgusted and busted. I felt like giving up. I felt like giving again. But when I got in the presence of Jesus, man, I felt something from my head to my toe. I can't explain it, but while they were singing that song, a breakthrough came to me. While that preacher was preaching his sermon, all of a sudden the Word of God just pricked me. I'm feeling better than I've felt in years bless God it is in these times that we understand we have to question our position with Christ we have to question our relationship our closeness so when Jesus dies what happens the earthquake hits the veil that separates us from God is ripped in two Matthew 27 51 in the Old Testament, the Bible said that that very thing that separated us, where the priests used to go, and there's a bell, and the people stay outside. 
When Jesus died, God said, I'm going to rip that in two. Now my people, every one of them, every Christian, whether they're a pastor, a preacher, a prophet, or a priest, they are going to have access to me. So if you want to know God and you want to be close to God, first off, you don't have to go through a man to do it. That is the problem with Catholicism. They have put such an emphasis on a priest and you got to go to the priest and you got to get your forgiveness that's not what God said when you do that you underestimate what our brothers and sisters just sang about this morning the blood of Jesus has already paved the way the blood of Jesus has already given you access that wall that used to be up and we used to have to go and sit between a veil and we went into confession booth those days are over honey the blood of Jesus reaches everywhere from this side of the world to that side of the world from end to end he's already there the blood's already paid the price hallelujah to God you've got access that is a huge deal the blood's already done it so God begins to speak to us I don't hear an audible voice but it's kind of like my own voice when you think something in your head somebody said what does God's voice sound like well when you think about something in your head whose voice does it sound like When I think of something, I don't hear Brian's voice. And if I do, that's freaky. When I hear, when I want to think something, I hear my voice say it to me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Or am I just really weird like that? I mean, when I'm like, right now I hear my voice saying, Jimmy, you need to straighten out right now, son. I can hear it. I can hear it. And so when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, when God says, whoop, well, you do not do that. You know that's wrong. I hear, it's as if I hear my own voice speaking to me. But I understand because I understand this is His voice. And He is saying to me, you don't need to do that. Draw closer to me. That's going to pull you away from me. So I recognize that this is the Holy Spirit that is speaking to me. It is Moses and Joshua. I've got to hurry this morning. It's Moses and Joshua going up the mountain. They leave 70 people, elders behind. They leave them eating and drinking in Exodus 24. Moses looks and basically in theory says you have to decide how much of God you want in this moment. Do you want to stay down here with everybody else? Do you want to be just like everybody else? Do you just want to eat and drink and be merry like everybody else? Or do you want to go up a little bit higher with me where God is? Now now, now, now somebody said, oh, I read that text one time and Moses told him, y'all just stay here. Sure he did. But if I'm in that crowd, I'm going to beg to go up the mountain. I'm not going to say, all right, hey, hey, you just stay here. I'm going to go up here and talk to God. You know, he's, he's coming down. We're, we're going to have a face-to-face here. Huh? Really? And you mean I'm supposed to sit here and not say anything about that? I'm grabbing the tail of your coat saying, Moses, I'm going with you. If God's on the mountain, then I want to be on the mountain. I mean, I haven't been this close to him in a long time. If he's up there and I can get closer to him... Man of God, you're taking me with you. You, how dare you even think you're going to leave me behind. But I don't see anybody begging. Nobody does. There's only one young kid by the name of Joshua that 
wants to do it. You see, there's something in me as a child of God, and I say it often, but I am not content with what I have. There is something inside of me that I am not content with where I am. The reason I am not content where I am is because I'm smart enough and I've read my Bible enough to know that there is more for me than what I've got right now. And I understand that I can experience a greater anointing than I am experiencing right now. What do we need? We need more of a hunger for God is exactly what we want. I don't want to just sit around at the bottom of the mountain eating and drinking and being merry just like God said they were going to do in the end time. I cannot do that. I'm not going to be the guy that's just going to sit here and wait until Jesus comes. I want him right now in my life I need look around you folks look at the world if I've ever needed Jesus I need him right now if I've ever needed him close to me at night I need him right now if I've ever needed him surrounding my house and my kids I need him now so so why am I going to settle for so much less but the Bible says let's go to Exodus 33 Joshua Watch what happens. So we've got 70 that are sitting back. We've got Moses going up a mountain to speak to the Lord. Verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And this scripture always grabs me. It grabs my heartstrings. And he would return to the camp. Moses would return to the camp. But his servant, Joshua the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Do y'all see what's happening here? This is a personal relationship. Moses has had his moment. But Joshua hasn't had his. And Moses has talked to God. And Moses is feeling the glory of God. And Moses is wearing a veil because he's been so close to God. But Joshua says, man, I want some of that. I want some of that. And the Bible said that he just lingered in the tabernacle, in the presence of the Lord, where God was. Understand with me, there are moments like that. That God just comes and he it's like Joshua said, I felt something in that place. And it was so strong that I could not leave the tabernacle. He's a lover of God's presence. He is, I will do anything to feel what I felt up there. I will give anything I I've got to give to feel what I felt up there. I want that presence in my life surrounding me. I want that power in my life. I need that anointing in my life. Oh, God help us see, understand with me. The rest go back to their old ways. They go on with life as normal. Not changed. No new experience. But Joshua on that day would never be the same. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Mm. He experiences something, a breakthrough like never before. It is not hard for us to see why when Moses died, guess who would take up the mantle? None other than a young man named Joshua. He's a lover of God's presence. He wants his closeness. 
There is an intimate place with God that He will give you His will. He will give you His provision. He'll give you whatever you need. He'll provide for you His plan. He will give you your purpose. When you get there to that place, you will be as close to God as you have ever been in that moment. And that is exactly what Joshua teaches us today. That even though Moses has went higher and Moses has gotten closer, it does not make me closer just because pastor preaches a good sermon it doesn't draw me any closer to God it may challenge my thinking it may make me leave feeling better or feeling worse but at the end of the day if you are going to draw closer how are you going to do it you are going to do it and Joshua shows us sometimes you've got to take responsibility and you've got to linger in the tabernacle and you've got to wait for God to come and speak Speak to you just like he did Moses. Some, oh God. Let me hurry, watch this. So, there's the outer circle in this world. We'll call them the multitudes. This is where most of the church world in general would live. And then there are those that, like Moses, they want to go up just a little bit higher. There are those that, that want to experience or encounter the Lord. They are in the tabernacle. I mean, you know, I've said it oftentimes, but even when God spoke to Moses on one occasion, He told him, He said, Moses, we're going to meet at the top of the mountain. And, and God added these words, and be there. Now, I don't think He meant just in a physical form. I don't believe that he just meant meet me on the mountain, make sure you're there. You know, I, I'm a busy God, so I've got, I've got some, some stuff going on here on my schedule. My calendar's pretty booked. So if you would, please just hurry it up and get here, all right? That's not what God meant. What God was saying, when you show up, you need to be there in spirit, soul, body, all three. You've got to show up. Because if I am going, the God of the universe, the King of kings, that is still sitting on a throne, and if I've given you access to me, then you better show up and you better be there when you get there. What a challenge that is to modern church world. That when we enter into His house, and we come into His presence. God is saying, I have given you access to me. I am right here amongst you. I am in the middle of this place. If where two or three are gathered in His name, He's in the midst. Then I feel certain there's two or three in this house out of this crowd that wants Jesus in this place. So that means that Jesus is here. Jesus has showed up. And Jesus is saying to every one of us, if I'm going to take my time, and if I'm going to show up, then I didn't come for a bunch of lukewarm people. I didn't come for people just to come because they felt like they had to or because mama told them to. I need some people to show up and to be there in mind, soul, body, and spirit and really in true worship. That's what I'm needing. Woo! There's those that want to go up a little higher. I mean, their body becomes the temple of God. They are worshiping. They are communion. They are loving God. God literally fills their life. I want to show you this. So some go to church for what we'll call a dose of God. But then there are other people who become the temple. Do, do y'all remember that verse? 1 Corinthians and he told him in 619 when he said, 
Behold, your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Do y'all remember that? You are the what? The temple. God refers to you as being the temple. Now for most Christians, modern church, we call this the temple. The place of worship. The gathering place. But God says wait a minute. There's some people they just come to the temple. And they get their dose of feel good. They kind of look at church as a gas station. A matter of fact I was on the way this morning. I told Branson should I go now. Or do you think we can make it back to the gas station. Shame on me. But I think I can make it if I can't. I need some volunteers to come drag me there. Anybody. All right. Shame on me. What I'm telling you is i got to fill that baby up or I'm going to run out. I think sometimes we do that with the temple of the Lord. We get so low on E and we say, man, i got to go back to the temple. i got to get refilled, man. i got to get it, man. So if I don't get enough on Sunday to go through Monday and Tuesday, I'll fit in a Wednesday night, bless God, if I have to. I mean, if I have to get it, i got to get it. And so we go through this motion that says, Oh my God, i got to get in the temple of God. But God said to us, Paul said, You are the temple of God. So in other words, you live in God. And God lives in you. So, oh God, I feel like preaching. So instead of coming to church on Sunday out of obligation and Wednesday every now and then, God says, wait a minute, you've got this thing all wrong. You can have the temple inside of you every single day. So now Monday, He's with me. Tuesday, He's with me. Thursday, He's with me. I don't have to wait to get close to Him when I come in the temple. He's with me 24-7. 365 days a year. 24 hours a day. That's the God I serve. Woo! Alright, I'm, I'm, I'm quitting right here. Cut me back up my floor. I know I'm getting loud. Just give me more. I keep losing and losing. We see this in the New Testament as well. That's good. So Jesus commissions the 70. He says to them, I want you to go out, the 70, and I want you to... Now, now understand with me. The 70 are close to the Lord. They really are. Jesus spoke with them personally just like He had spoke to everybody else. But then out of the 70, how many did He choose? Anybody know? They're called the disciples. One, two, right? There's 12 disciples that he chooses out of that. He commissioned 70. He narrows it down to 12. And they came a little bit higher. They were somewhat qualified. A little bit more than the others. So there's these 12 disciples. That follow Jesus. So out of the 70 come 12. Then out of the 12. Come 3. They are called the inner circle. Peter. James. Anybody? Yes, sir. And John, who would later be John the Revelator and have the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now we've got three. And at the Mount of Transfiguration, guess who's on top of the mountain? I have no idea where the other nine are. I don't know if they're at the foot of the mountain having a picnic lunch. I don't know. But what I do know is Peter, James, and John went up with Jesus to a high place. And when they get up here on this mountain, you know what happens. They went a little higher and they see Jesus transfigured before them. They were there to see it. 
And Peter is looking at Jesus and saying, My Lord, this is so powerful. In this presence, in this closeness, I want to stay here. And so he says, Can we just build three tabernacles? If we, if we could just build three tabernacles, we could live here. Right? Everybody remember reading that in your Bible? What he is saying is, I have never felt so close to you. And i got to stay in this moment. Give me three tabernacles. I mean, have you ever had an experience like that? To where, I mean, to, to where you just didn't want to leave His presence. Have you ever been in a church service? And you don't have to sit here and think for an hour. If you've experienced it, you know before I even keep talking. You know it. You can see where you were sitting or standing or laying on your face. You know right now exactly that moment. I know I was sitting on an altar, second step in that moment when God just, it was something so special. I remember a closeness like I had never felt before. I know where I was. I know where it was. I know, I'm telling you, so we understand. I'm telling you, if you haven't had an experience like that to where the preacher said, all right, y'all can do whatever you want, go wherever you want, and you didn't want to lay on the altar and tarry in the presence of God, if you haven't had an experience like that, you need to have one. I pity you today. I pity you today. Because you need an experience like that when Jesus is so close to you that you can literally feel Him. There is nothing like it in that moment. Go to the piano. I'm closing. So here we go. John 13, 25. This is what I'm leaving y'all with today. And we are going to close. Jesus is getting ready to be crucified. The Bible said, then leaning back on Jesus' breast, it's none other than John the Revelator, the one that had the revelation of Jesus, came closer to seeing him than Peter and James ever would have thought. He leaned on his breast, his chest. And the Bible said, he said to him, Lord, who is it? And he's asking, who is the one that will betray you? But I don't want to get into that. I just want to get into this moment where there's a disciple laying on his chest. Watch this. Watch this. Now, now, now the perverts of the world would try to make this scripture gay friendly. Right? Little perverts. They would try to make it perverted. Even churches, some churches, have done the same. May God judge them accordingly is all I'll say about that. And He will. There is nothing perverted about this. But this is one of the most intimate moments you will ever read of when Jesus is walking on this earth. Right here, when John leans on his breast. He rested his head on the breast of Jesus. Are you ready for this? This is what grabs me. In that moment, he heard the very heartbeat of, of God. Woo! Did you grab that? He hears because isn't Jesus God? In that moment, he understood John 3.16 greater than any of us ever will. He could feel it. He could hear it in the pounding. He heard the heartbeat of God. He heard the desire of God. He recognized who God was in that moment like he had never done before. It is intimate. It is as close as you can get to the Lord. When you start hearing his heartbeat, his desire, his plans, that's an intimate place to be. Very few people 
will ever find themselves in that moment. Let's stand. So my question today is I challenge you and I'll leave you with this. My question is what do you want, folks? How close do you want to be to Him? Do you want to be part of the 70? Stay at the foot of the mountain. Let's have some cheese and burgers. You know, bring some turkey sandwiches. Anybody? I prefer steaks if we're going to do it. Let's bring a grill and go all the way out. You want to be part of the 12? That gets to follow Him a little closer. Walk with Him. Talk with Him. Or do you want to be John that's laying on the heartbeat of God? That recognizes in that moment how much God loves him. There is a place where you can get that you are not only a Christian, but you become a friend of God. Where he speaks to you. Where he leads you. Where he guides you. You are as close to God as you want to be. Choose wisely today. Because I want to be like John. What makes God's heart beat? See, I've said that before. When when talking about church and talking about revival. And I've said it before, man, that's my heartbeat. You ever heard that terminology? That's my heartbeat. What that means is that's what keeps me going. That's what excites me when we start talking about Holy Ghost revival. That's my heartbeat right there, honey. When we start talking about really sick people being healed, you on my heartbeat now. John in that moment understood something I often miss. What's the heartbeat of God? What is God saying? What is God wanting? What is God desiring? It's souls. The heartbeat of God is kingdom work. It's not of this world. The heartbeat of God doesn't care how big of a house you live in. The heartbeat of God doesn't care how much money you've got in the bank. The heartbeat of God wants to know that you love Him more than anything. And that when everybody else is at the foot of the mountain, you're laying on His chest. Saying, God, what do you want from me? What can I do? How can I change the world? What can I do to make a difference? What's your heartbeat for me? Oh, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. James 4, 7, this is it. The Bible said, therefore, you submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. But before you try to get there, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Are you listening to this? This ain't famous right here. This is tough. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and let your joy be turned to gloom. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Are you ready? And He will lift you up. A higher place. Draw near to me. And I will draw you up. Come here. Draw near to me. Take a step. And I will draw near to you. I've taken a step. He's taken a step. I am closer to Jesus. 
than I've been in a while. Draw near to me, and I will draw nigh to you. But the cares of this life get in the way, and the flesh gets in the way. I love you, Jesus. I really do. But you know, there's some things back here. It's really important, you know. I got a lot, I got a lot going on. And if, I, I know that if you... But I want you to notice something. As I move back, as he moved one place, that's because he doesn't. He stays right there. Because when I rescind from Him, and when I walk away from Him, the Bible doesn't say if you walk away from me, I start walking away from you. He just said when you draw near to me, I'm going to come near to you. In other words, you can be as close to me as you want to be. But thank God, sometimes I rescind, but He's still right there. And so now I've went back, but I take another step. And he comes even closer than he was before. I can't explain it. It's called the grace of God. I don't know why he's like this. But it's the heartbeat of God. I hear it now beating. And he's saying to everyone in this field, I don't care how far you've went back. Take a step towards me. I'm still at the same place you left me. And I'm not going to wait on you to take two or three more steps before I move in. The first step you take, I'm coming closer. Because if God wants anything for you today, He wants you to be on His chest. If Jesus wants anything for you, He wants to give you the heartbeat of God. He wants you to be close. He wants you to lay down and hear His heartbeat, what He wants to do in your life. And I thank you, brother. Father, today... In the name of Jesus, I've preached your word the best of my ability. A little longer than normal, but it's okay. I'm asking you, Father, today that you would draw us near. Draw me near. Draw me near. Cross where thou hast died. Draw me near. Precious bleeding side. Sing it again now that I know the words. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Lord, would you draw me nearer, oh, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. You want to pray? Come on. Draw me near. 
one of them, you can come on. If you want that closer walk with the Lord, give them a few minutes. If you want to give them a few minutes, come on. Draw closer. Draw closer. Draw closer. Don't sit at the foot of the mountain. Hear the heartbeat of God. Hear the heartbeat of God. Yeah. 